Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. Twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Deep State Radio. We are here to discuss the major changes that took place in the wake of the election and the president fired Jeff Sessions as attorney general uh, and uh, uh, welcomed uh, as acting attorney general uh, Matt Whitaker, who had been the chief of staff to uh, Sessions. Many people have seen this as a direct threat uh, to the Mueller investigation. uh, And in fact, some have pointed out uh, that had there not been a reason to, had the Mueller investigation not been the rationale behind making this move, he could have simply uh, done what uh, would have been more natural, and that's to make the deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, the acting attorney general, which he did not do. So we're here to talk about this in its many manifestations. And fortunately, we've got with us Katie Fang, who has been a guest before, who has been a prosecutor, who is an attorney practicing in Florida, and uh, of course, Rosa Brooks, who is a uh, professor at Georgetown University School of Law, a commentator, and uh, a founding member of the Deep State Radio inner circle. And let me start with you, Katie. What's your take on the moves of yesterday? Lots of drama. Um, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be so dramatic as to say we're burning the house down, but it it, it kind of reminds me of the pre Kavanaugh confirmation discussions people were having about his Minnesota Law Review article where Kavanaugh pretty much expressed his position on whether or not you could prosecute civilly or um, criminally a sitting president of the United States and what would be the import if Kavanaugh was actually appointed and confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States. The same concept applies here. Matthew Whitaker, who is the chief of staff, I mean, you couldn't even find somebody who was, I don't know, somewhere else that actually had some wherewithal to be able to do this job, now is the highest law enforcement officer in the land. And before he gets there, he, with no discretion whatsoever, expresses his opinion on a number of things, but most exclusively and specifically dealing with the Mueller investigation, its legitimacy, um, its scope, its breadth, and frankly, how to kill it. So it's shocking to me, but not really, because it's the Trump administration, that we now have as our acting attorney general, a man who has clearly expressed the fact that he does not find special counsel or independent counsel appointments to be legit, and that he would have some creative measures by which he would basically start it to death vis-a-vis its funding. So I think it's a pretty obvious kind of sign where this is going, but I am kind of measured in terms of I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. So let's see what are his first acts taken, but this dude's going to have a long time, David, to get up to speed. He's been completely 
completely Chinese walled off of this. He's been completely, you know, has no access to or information to what's been going on because his prior immediate boss, Jeff Sessions, had recused himself. So he's going to have a huge learning curve. And along the way, what's he going to do? Dragon Muller and say the edict that was given to you in terms of your ability to do stuff, uh, courtesy of Rod Rosenstein, well, that's just too broad and now I'm going to limit it. I mean, we need to see what he's going to do. And I think his opening shot across the bow is going to speak volumes about where this investigation is going. Okay. Now, you know, one of the main purposes of, of Deep State Radio is to periodically stop and ask Rosa whether we're in a constitutional crisis. And then Rosa will say <laughs> we're not. In fact, Rosa's, Rosa's standard... We're getting closer. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you that. Rosa's standard is that we take the Constitution and somebody burns it on, you know, Constitution <laughs> Avenue and dances around in the burning ash. That's not a constitutional crisis at all, David. That's First Amendment protected speech. I'm going to say free speech. Free yeah. Speech. Okay. Well, uh, that so much for my no, metaphor. I, I, it, I basically anything short of civil war. I'm I'm not yet ready to call a constitutional crisis, but we're getting there. Okay. Well, explain why you think we're getting there. Well, I, I think that um, some of the reasons that Katie mentioned uh, the 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 firing and let's let's call it a firing because it clearly was not a wholly voluntary departure on the part of Jeff Sessions, the firing of Jeff Sessions, um, who we know uh, since Trump has told told us this himself, we know that Jeff Sessions was fired because uh, Trump was angry at him for recusing himself from the Mueller investigation, and Trump was angry at him for recusing himself because he felt that it was the job of the attorney general uh, uh, to protect him personally from any legal liability. Um, the appointment of Whitaker as, as acting uh, attorney general, as Katie says, uh, is incredibly problematic uh, for all kinds of reasons, and it, it violates all kinds of sort of basic ethics rules uh, and conflict of interest rules, if, if Whitaker does not recuse himself, the, the media seems to be suggesting he doesn't have any plans to recuse himself from Mueller's investigation. But he's compromised from the start. I mean, the, he before entering the Justice Department, he was frequently a media pundit talking about how he regarded this uh, investigation as questionable and excessive in its scope and so on and so forth. So he, even before taking this position, made it very clear that he is opposed to it. Um, uh, on top of that, uh, many of our listeners may have seen the op-ed piece in today's New York Times written by my Georgetown law colleague, Neil Kotyal, former acting solicitor general of the United States and and... Uh, his new uh, his new best friend Kellyanne Conway's husband George Conway, <laughs> um, arguing that on top of that the failure of President Trump to seek Senate confirmation for Whitaker uh, is fundamentally unconstitutional given the, the nature of his position and the idea that the president who is under investigation can without Senate confirmation appoint someone who normally requires Senate confirmation to, who will then oversee an investigation into potential criminal acts by the same man who appointed him, uh, you know, th yes, this causes some constitutional problems. Uh, no question about it. And let me just throw in one more thing on the, the road to the road to civil war, uh, as, which, as you know, is my threshold for constitutional crises. Um, uh, I don't know if you've been following this wacky business with CNN's Jim Acosta, uh, mm -hmm. uh, 
who was being accused by the White House, Trump got mad, well, they've been mad at him forever, but got particularly mad at him for continuing to pepper him with questions. Uh, a White House intern tried to take the microphone away from Acosta to prevent him from continuing his questions. Uh, and in the ensuing confusion, uh, Acosta seems to have accidentally touched her, immediately said, pardon me, sorry, uh, uh, the White House then more or less accused him of molesting an intern um, and uh, just released a, Sarah Sanders, president's press secretary, just released a doctored video, which deletes the portion in which he apologizes and deletes the portion of the video in which you can see that it's clearly accidental. Uh, um, that may not seem like a big deal, but when the White House itself starts releasing deliberately doctored evidence in order to go after a a journalist who they regard as a political opponent, um, that's that is exactly. I mean, we're constantly with Trump saying, "Gee, that seems kind of like the stuff that fascists do," and "Gee, that seems kind of like the stuff authoritarians do." Well. This is yet another step closer to not just the kind of stuff they do, but to being what they are. Yeah, well, that's certainly true. It's, you know, the kind of thing that Stalin would have approved of. But let's let's get a little granular uh, on this. And uh, Katie, you know, if I'm, uh, you know, pushing you beyond the limits of, 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 of your legal practice and knowledge, um, forgive me, I have none except that I was born a Jewish boy in New Jersey, and so my parents expected I would be a lawyer at some point, uh, and so I'm going to play one on this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, uh, sorry to disappoint you, uh, parents. In any event, um, the one additional issue beyond the constitutionality issue uh, that Rosa has brought up is something called the Vacancy Act, and you know, there are a couple of provisions in the Vacancy Act which make doing what the president did illegal. If the if the person who leaves to create the vacancy is fired, the Vacancy Act, which allows the president to put in somebody other than the immediate successor, is, is actually not permitted. And yet he is going ahead and doing this. And then beyond that, um, there are some issues of conflicts of interest, quite apart from anything that he said about Mueller or anything he did in the service of Jeff Sessions that was associated with the reasons that Sessions recused himself. Um, he was the campaign manager for a campaign in the state of Iowa uh, by Sam Clovis, who may have the distinction of being the weakest nominee that the Trump administration rolled out. Um, which is saying something, a very dubious character. And Whitaker was his campaign manager. And Sam Clovis is a witness in the Mueller investigation who testified before the grand jury, which one would think was also a conflict of interest and demanded his recusal. So I think on a number of levels, whether it's constitutional, the Vacancy Act, or conflict of interest, this might not really be uh, a nomination or an appointment that that would survive any kind of scrutiny. The question is, what can be done? So um, comfortable to respond, and you bring up two really key points, and I'll start with the 
the first one first. So you're right, the Vacancies Reform Act, if you read it literally, um, does not permit Trump to do what he did because the Attorney General Jeff Sessions, last I checked, didn't die, or though he did resign, but he said in his resignation, which was a little bit of a middle finger, I think, to Donald Trump, that he did it at the president's request. So it's, uh, was it really a firing? So Rosa suggests, yeah, right? The guy did not leave voluntarily, but did he then also maybe not do the middle finger? And maybe did Jeff Sessions say, you know, I'm paying, you know, I'm paying penance for my sins because he's this weird kind of, he's got this weird kind of bromancing going with Donald Trump. And so he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm going to step down. I'm going to resign, but it's at your behest or it's at the behest of Donald Trump. So then I really am not having Trump have a problem with the Federal Vacancies Reform Act. I don't know if these guys ever have conversations this deep, David. I don't. I don't know if they really sit down and say, well, are we going to run afoul of this act? And if so, you know, I mean, I don't think they do that. I do think that there is this off the cuff, fly by the seat of his really big pants decision that Donald Trump makes all the time. And I think that he kind of squeaks by by luck to some extent, so that if this is perceived that Jeff Sessions, quote, resigned, then, yeah, maybe this kind of, you know, Vacancies Reform Act, you know, is okay for Donald Trump. But then you kind of get an issue here where the Vacancies Reform Act is for a Senate-confirmed position. And we get back to what Rosa also mentioned, which is, is this constitutional? Is this a principal officer? Is this somebody who reports to the president? And if so, it's got to be Senate confirmed. And if not, it's unconstitutional, as Neil Cattell said, and as George Conway has said. So it all kind of is a circular conversation to have. And really, somebody's going to have to challenge it. Somebody should challenge it. Somebody should say, I am aggrieved, I have standing, and I think this should be challenged. Um, and, and let's see, I mean, scarily, we end up now again in the judicial system, which if you haven't been paying attention, because everybody kind of looks at the shiny object that's Brett Kavanaugh, Trump has stacked the district courts and the circuit courts of appeal right now a lot with his appointees. I mean, these are kind of stealth appointments that have been going on. People haven't been paying attention. And so there's a lot to be said about, um, as a general proposition, getting out to vote. Because if you get out to vote and you get the right people that are in the legislature and you get people like the real president of the United States, then you actually get somebody who's in a position to put people on the bench um, in the judiciary that can make the right decisions. But, you know, so that Vacancies Reform Act is maybe one kind of, you know, you know, arrow in your quiver of arrows that you could have um, to try to shoot this down. But the Sam Clovis thing, it's like, I, I can't get over how bizarre these relationships can be. I mean, Sam Clovis is just such an odd bird. But here's the bottom line. You don't have to look so far for some attenuated relationship to get Whitaker out on a conflict of interest, clearly. One that got Sessions out because of his involvement with the Trump campaign, and one clearly that didn't get Rod Rosenstein out. So Sam Clovis was a campaign co-chairman for Donald Trump. And if you've got Whitaker chairing his campaign and you've got Clovis, you know, declaring publicly, I'm really proud of my friend, which is Matthew Whitaker, there's a problem for Matthew Whitaker here. But is Matthew Whitaker going to be decent enough to adhere to what he's supposed to do, which is to get guidance from ethics counsel? Is he going to say, am I doing the right thing? Which is ironically what Jeff Sessions did. 
for what you think or like or dislike about Jeff Sessions, he did the right thing. He went, he asked, he was told he had to step down and he recused himself from the Mueller investigation. He did the right thing. So, you know, it, it, is it Matthew, it, it's Matthew Whitaker's time to shine. It's time for him to do the right thing. He's been a glorified Kofefi boy, right? So what is he going to do now? And if somebody tells him, man, you're, you're, links to Clovis, to the campaign, to Mueller are too, too close. You need to step away. Well, then that should be fine. Everybody should be okay with that because it goes back to Rod Rosenstein. Okay. So I have a, a question for Rosa and then I'm going to ask you one more, Katie. And then after that, Rosa, I'm going to ask you to read your poem. Um, your doctor, oh, David, that's embarrassing. It no. is a beautiful piece of poetry though. No, it is a beautiful piece. Ooh, I'm of intrigued. Poetry. I'm <laughs> intrigued. You, you definitely want to hear it. I just want Rosa to prepare as I'm doing it. But just picking up on the Clovis thing, you know, another nice aspect of this Matt Whitaker, who is, you know, clearly a bro. And by the way, my my daughter, Joanna, did a nice article yesterday for Esquire where she picked out a bunch of his tweets on things like video game hacks and showing pictures of himself at the gym and a whole bunch of other stuff that just makes him a little bit even less likable. Um, but one of the things that makes him sort of execrable in political terms, as far as I'm concerned, is that he's also super close to Steve King, the racist, nearly neo-Nazi member of Congress who squeaked by with another win in his Iowa district. And he's sort of part of this Iowa Republican um, mafia that doesn't seem to have any problem with guys like Steve King. Uh, yes. Yes. Was that a question? Yes, it was a question. <laughs> it, was, it was a provocative statement. Uh, I agree. I have no, yes. Yes. So you know, it seems to me that on on multiple grounds this won't stand. But it gets to another point. Who's who can stop it? Well, if the Senate doesn't want to stop it. The, it can the House so, stop it? Well, well I I mean, I think I think. Katie already said this, right, that this is something that can be challenged in court. Granted, you've got the little problem of the large number of judges who were appointed by Donald mm -hmm. Trump. But but, you know, I think that I, I think that individual members and groups of members uh, of Congress have standing to challenge. Um, you know, I'm not an expert on standing, but this certainly seems to me to be one where there seem, you know, or, or individual members of the Senate in particular, obviously, um, you know, since since there there is a direct harm in that they are being deprived of a right that the Constitution expressly gives the Senate, not the president. Um, so, you know, would it get hung up for a long time? Yeah. What I mean, th this is when you do start inching closer to to constitutional crises, you know, is is when you have a situation where sort of every good faith legal expert in the world says, well, you know, in the meantime, if this is disputed, if there's a question about this, you know, the general principle of conflict of interest prevention in the legal world is that you're supposed to avoid even the appearance of impropriety. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't wait to be, you know, to have it be demonstrated that you have a conflict of interest. That if if there's any question, uh, especially when you're dealing with matters of grave public concern, such as an investigation that that potentially involves criminal liability for the president of the United States, that you don't mess around. You know, that you you find the squeakiest, cleanest people in the world to oversee that. 
Um, on the other hand, we as we've seen, um, the Donald Trump does not have a conscience, you know, and he has managed to surround himself with yes, yes, men and women who are happy to lie on his behalf and and knowingly disseminate faked evidence on his behalf. So what happens if you have all the other important parts of American society from the media to court saying, hey, hang on a minute, let us figure this one out. Let us resolve this. Let us investigate this. You know, and in the meantime, this guy needs to be recused. And he says no. Uh, and he says Mueller's fire. You know, I think I think if if Whitaker fires Mueller in the face of litigation and congressional attempts to say, no, 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 you're you, you're you're holding that position is unconstitutional. And even if it wasn't, you have a conflict of interest that should prevent you from doing this. Then I think we do move towards constitutional crisis pretty quick. Okay. So Katie, the the, last question has to do with Mueller. If in fact Mm -hmm. Whitaker was put in this position to constrain Mueller, he had said in the past, maybe he would do it by limiting his budget. Uh, He wouldn't approve probably according to his friends, a subpoena of the president. You know, what next? And does Mueller have any redress against against this acting attorney general if he tries to constrain him? So thank God for the change in congressional um, uh, imminent change in congressional leadership for the House, the power being the power balance kind of being righted a little bit and the ability for people like um, the House Judiciary Committee to be able to kind of revive investigations into what's happening and what happened, excuse me, with Russia subpoena power, (laughs) all those awesome tools, investigative tools that have kind of been, you know, dampened and haven't been able to really sing. Well, yeah, let those come out and let them fly because if it's necessary, that's a way to supplement the Mueller investigation. If Mueller ends up getting the reins tightened on him or reined in on his investigation. But, you know, the the fascinating thing about Robert Mueller is he, you know, like David, you remember when people have said, if you could have dinner with just, you know, three people in history, whatever, who would they be? And it's always some, some odd eclectic group. You know, I'd like to have dinner with Robert Mueller, and I suspect it would probably be some spectacular meal where there's very little said. <laughs> but, but it, you know, I know this guy has a plan, and the most perf- the most perfect mic drop would obviously be an indictment against Donald Trump Jr., which, which interestingly, Whitaker's like, oh, the Trump Tower meeting? Oh, anybody would take that meeting if they thought that they were getting dirt on the opposition. Really? Anyone would? I don't think so. But I would love to see a response from Mueller be exactly something of the ilk of a very powerful indictment. And again, one that I know is not brought vindictively, one that's based on facts and evidence that would basically be a resounding response to the idea that Sessions being gone and the installation of Whitaker is going to affect the Mueller investigation in some adverse way. I think the transparency of Whitaker taking conduct or action that just explicitly harms the Mueller investigation is 
is one that you can't ignore. And I don't care whether or not the midterms have now come and gone. You cannot escape the reality of now an upcoming 2020 race. And so there's a lot, I think, of stopgap measures that are in place, those that we're aware of and some that are perhaps behind the scene that we're not privy to that are going to protect the American public. Because really, David, it's not Mueller that needs to be protected. It's the American public that deserves merits and needs the protection from stuff like the unilateral appointment of Matthew Whitaker, because it's the American public that deserves to have this information and to know exactly what's happened. Because at the end of the day, Mueller is going to issue a report that may or may not remain confidential. And that report is going to say what it says. And and he's not going to sit here and bring, um, you know, He's not going to bring it the way that people think it is. I think because of his quiet, steadfast, steady state, he's just going to bring the information and his findings and then turn it over to other people to be able to bring it home. But at this point, I think that we need to make sure that that is unfettered information, that it's not colored with the lens of the Trump administration, that it's given to us as the American public the way that we deserve to get it. Okay. Well, and that's a very fine uh, point to put on this and way to tie it up. But I think just to add a little bit of that special deep state radio sauce, Rosa, I would like now to turn to you and do your homage to doc- <laughs> Dr. Seuss. Well, yes. Uh, thank, thank you, David. I, not that many people recognize my um, my incredible poetic uh, skills. So I appreciate this. No, that's, I, I found myself thinking, Bob Mueller, Robert Mueller, would you just go and do something? Don't wait because these guys are gunning for you. And for some reason, the the, the line that was running in, through my head was Robert S. Mueller, will you please go now? Which reminded me of the, the great epic work by Dr. Seuss, Marvin K. Mooney, will you please go now? Uh, uh, and so in... About 42 feverish seconds on Twitter, I wrote, uh, Robert S. Mueller, will you please go now? The time has come. The time is now. Just go, go, go. I don't care how. You can go by indictment or congressional report. Robert S. Mueller, your time's running short. You can go after Junior. You can go after Stone. Indict them all or Trump alone. I don't care. You can go after Jared, Ivanka, too. Just please go soon, Bob Mueller, do. Arrest Melania. Go after Don. It doesn't matter. Just charge on. Sessions is gone. Rod will be next. Soon you'll be the last guy left. They'll spit out lies and swear their truths. They'll sell the White House to Fox News. Time is short, but courts are long. 2020 is too late to say what's wrong. Evidence vanishes. It's now or never. The White House has a lot of shredders. Robert S. Mueller, I don't care how. Robert S. Mueller, will you please act now? I would, I, I, Katie, I hear you. I like, I'm like, I'm like in in awe. I'm in awe. (laughs) You're weeping, weeping with emotion. And I'm weeping and standing and applauding, Rosa. Uh, (laughs) I've always wanted to end one of these with a poem. I think that says everything we need to have said. Uh, Katie, we hope you'll come back and join us again soon. Um, only, Only if Rosa has a new poem. Sure. I do a Dr. Seuss poem for every occasion. Well, that that could be something to look forward to. And Rosa, we will have you back on Monday to, you know, do our usual thing. But I look forward to it um, and uh, talk to you all very soon, uh, so long as the republic survives. 
Uh, that's it for Deep State Radio. For more, go to deepstateradionetwork.com. We have lots of good content there. We just did a one-on-one with Jonathan Greenblatt, the head of the ADL, which I strongly encourage you to listen to also. Uh, and join us again next week for our podcasts, for our daily briefs, for our weekly tech brief, and for everything else we're doing. Thank you very much for Deep State Radio. Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network, a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with Goat Rodeo Productions and was supervised by Ian Enright. Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find you.